So we started the business around in-person recruiting events, went through YC. By the end of December of 2019, we had raised a million bucks and completed our seed round. Like we were bought in on the future of in-person recruiting. And 30 days later, Trump had addressed the nation and said, COVID's here, in-person is effectively canceled. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, we are selling in-person recruiting software. Suddenly not a single one of our customers, I think we had 10 or 15 at the time, need this product. And shortly after they, some of them started canceling their contracts as quickly as they could, because on top of in-person being canceled, every company's budget was being frozen. Welcome to Austinpreneur, our show about the stories that made Austin, Texas a global hub for startups. The show is produced by Capital Factory and hosted by me, Nick Spiller. As a reminder, by joining Capital Factory, you can plug into the ecosystem where the stories on this show were set. Learn more about us at CapitalFactory.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Austinpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Spiller, recording from Capital Factory in Austin, Texas. My guest today is Catherine Allen. Catherine's the CEO and founder of Flow Recruit, where they help law students get big law jobs while enabling law firms to hire the best talent for their team. Cool. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't even know what the questions are. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Let's start at the beginning. When did you know you were an entrepreneur? In high school... I, with a couple of friends, we thought that we could make a difference through public art. We believed strongly that art in an urban environment can make areas brighter, which can lead to safety. It can just like generally make a place seem safer, more exciting, more vibrant. And we wanted to somehow impact that as high school students. We also believed that art was a way that you could bring people from different walks of life together. Like Suddenly, if you were working on something together, you had something in common with somebody else. And that something could be art. So in high school, we, two friends and I started this organization. We like convinced a nonprofit to fund us to run a sort of like art workshop for some of the students that they worked at. We also worked with the Dallas Public Library and put on these art workshops for the folks that were there. At the time, they were trying to figure out how they could better interact with their the people that were going to the library that were also experiencing homelessness. And so art was a way that the librarians could have something in common with those people where they didn't exactly feel like they could communicate. All this to say is that at the time, I did not call that entrepreneurship. I don't think I even knew that word existed in the dictionary in high school, and being in business felt slimy and scary. But when I got to UT, I heard about this word entrepreneurship and heard the word startup, and unfortunately for me, or unfortunately at the same time, I didn't like my major, so I was looking for something to tell my parents I was enjoying, and my lovely freshman year roommate, Alexi Cortez, shout out Alexi, she told me that she heard of this thing called Freshman Founders for students that were interested in starting their own businesses. This is when I remember meeting Catherine for the very first time. It was her first week on campus at UT, and I was conducting her interview for Freshman Founders. It was easy to accept Catherine. 
She was a 40-acre scholar, which means she was part of the premier full-ride merit-based scholarship at UT. And with all the Longhorn freshmen that, that applied with businesses coming into college that year, it was, it was very evident Catherine had promise as an entrepreneur. And I remember thinking, like, I don't want to start my own business. She was like, what are you talking about? You basically did that with this organization that you started in high school with a few friends. And it changed my mind about, oh, wait, maybe entrepreneurship is building something. Maybe it's delivering a product or a service to people and having them enjoy it. So that's how I got the bug, was realizing that it was less about the slimy business people that I saw when I, or felt like I had the perception of in high school, and more about building something and making your customers and users really excited. And that organization is the Catalyst Arts Movement. Yes, it was. Right, so you really started as a movement, and at the end of the day, that's what every good startup is, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the goal. Unfortunately, Catalyst Arts Movement is no longer around today. We did not make it a great enough organization to live past us, but because of that experience, like it opened the door to so many other things. It made us believe that like we could do things that were like past our age. And the fact that a nonprofit was willing to give us, I think it was like $10,000 to run these programs. Like I was floored in high school that was possible and it gives you confidence that maybe it's not so crazy for the world to think what you're building is valuable. Catherine is really good at finding and learning from mentors. You're about to hear from Gordon Doherty, He's the chairman and co-founder of Capital Factory, and he spent some time mentoring Catherine when she was just starting Flow. She was still studying at the university. I'm almost certain of that. I believe she was probably in her senior year or approaching graduation. And yeah, we at Capital Factory were talking to her to see if there were ways that we could work together and maybe have her join the portfolio. So I put on a mentor hat and can't remember what we talked about, but there was something going on at the time where I enjoyed giving her advice and learning a little bit about the business. So I'm pretty sure she was late in her college career when we first interacted. Do you remember the Freshman Founders three-day startup? I do. Three-day startup as a freshman, wow, going back far, that was fun. We stayed up literally all night on, I guess it was Saturday night or maybe Friday night, all night working on startup concept with a team of three other freshmen that were attracted to the idea of Muse. As we, I think we pitched it at the very beginning of the weekend. And we had a ton of Red Bull and coffee and just pure, pure optimism and excitement to try to get something off the ground. And what I love about three-day startup is that you have to do it in this really condensed period of time. I see so many people who want to start their own businesses they overcomplicate things. They get so far ahead of themselves trying to figure out problems that like, you figure out along the way. They can be later problems. You don't need to worry about your which, which state you're incorporated in the very beginning. You can worry about that once you've really fleshed out a concept and have proven that maybe there's someone who might really want your product, might find value from it. And then you can worry about incorporating it or thinking about what your like company values should be, like all extremely important things, but not when you're one person or two people. One thing Catherine did well from the very beginning is being an extremely customer-centric founder. Her reflections from the three-day startup program during Freshman Founders show her focus on the lean startup methodology. And then I'll say the other thing is there was something about her that I could tell she had some natural leadership and natural charisma. One of the byproducts of charisma and measures is 
people want to follow you on your journey, even if they don't know exactly why. They can tell there's something special there. They may or may not be able to put their finger on it, but I want to give you $25,000. I want to help you on your journey. So you have had the privilege of building a team and, yeah. and a culture and one that I respect and admire very much. How did you earn that privilege? Oh man, how did we earn the privilege of continuing to grow our team? Which by the way is, we always try to keep our teams small. So, you know, more people isn't always good, even though that's what allows you to have a culture that needs codifying. You take care of the people that you have and that you earn it actually yeah. that way. Yeah. Man, Flow Recruit has been quite the journey. We, Atreya, my co-founder, and I met while we were in college. We actually met at a student org meeting. It was a Nobi meeting, and the idea was that engineering and business students would come together. And truth be told, I only went to one of those meetings, and Atreya also went to one of those meetings. But we met there because I was speaking just as a student, speaking to my peers about how to get involved in entrepreneurship on campus. And I mentioned that I was working on a project to help student orgs recruit, which was the predecessor to Flow. And Atreya came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I want to work on something. I would love to be the technical arm of this project that you're working on because he wanted to take everything that he was learning in electrical engineering at UT Austin and actually do something with it, like actually try to stand up a web application. And when you're a student at UT on the quote unquote business side, that was so exciting. I remember at UT, we always talked about like, how are we gonna meet these computer science students and convince them that they wanna join our company? In Atreya's case, he was an electrical engineer. And in my case, it wasn't really quite yet a company, but nonetheless, the stars aligned in that moment. And I remember Atrey actually put his number in my phone so that we could connect afterwards. And the number was wrong. I went to go text it and I was like, no, it's not going through. So <laughs> I found this man on number. Facebook. I was like, But the point here being is that that project or company, at the time we considered it a company, looking back, it was probably more like a project. Student startup. Yeah. It enabled Atrey and I to work together and do something that I think many student startups miss, which is actually build something together. Like actually have a product that people use and they pay for. Like sure, they paid us something like $500, <laughs> which was a lot of money at the time, but they were actually using this product that like we built, that, that Atreya actually coded, that we actually figured out okay, what could they actually use? How would this work for them? We took customer feedback. We were constantly iterating, trying to make it better. I was figuring out how to sell. All of those activities that you really do when you're an entrepreneur that have nothing to do with this sexy word funding. Everyone wants funding in the very beginning and the reality I is- I about the same thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Like You can do so much without a ton of money. There are so many resources out there especially for students on UT's campus. We got AWS credits for certain classes. There was ways to finagle getting the funding that you needed. I think you took Josh Bear's class, Longhorn Startup? Longhorn Startup Lab was extremely impactful because we went into Longhorn Startup Lab thinking that we were building this recruiting software for student orgs. And there were some older members of our team, older as in seniors, and we were sophomores 
who had gone through the recruiting process themselves for consulting jobs and banking jobs. And we were starting to think about what would life be like after graduation. So we were showing up to career fairs. And we realized that the software we had built for student orgs was actually really applicable to the way that companies were recruiting on UT's campus. They were meeting students at large-scale events. They were trying to track all of the candidates that they met, trying to figure out if there were any particular candidates that they should fast-track through the process of getting employee feedback on the folks that came to the networking event or came to the career fair. And we had built just that. It was just for students. While we were in Longhorn Startup Lab, really that class and Josh and the mentors that he brought in gave us the confidence that we could go convince a company to pay for this software. And I remember thinking, like, these mentors would tell us, like, you could do this. Like, a company will pay for this. I just remember being like, no, they won't. Like, <laughs> how am I supposed to walk in this door? How is Atreus supposed to walk in the door and pitch to use Flow Recruit that we built at the time? Again, it was still just Flow for student orgs. This is crazy. But after going to enough career fairs, we realized that they were doing everything on paper, we thought there might be an opportunity. We started showing up to career fairs and waiting in line to talk to the recruiters. And instead of asking for a job or trying to pitch ourselves, we would ask for five minutes to ask them about what technologies they were using to manage the recruiting process, which at the time were zero. And then anywho, fast forward, a mentor in Longhorn Startup Lab, Josh Kerr, was like, you need to just go for it. Go ask someone, go ask for the business, go talk to them about it, get their feedback and see if they'll use it. And finally, a recruiter at a really large company who I'll keep secret said yes, and he purchased a license for his team. And that was the spark that Atreya and I oh. needed. Yeah, it was exactly boom. Oh my God, we can do this. This could be a real business and they could pay us more than $500. Crazy. <laughs> how much did they pay for the first? $1,000. $1,000. Yeah, and here's how it happened. I remember I was sitting at coffee with the recruiter and asking him a bunch of questions about how it all worked. And finally he was like, it seems like you might want me to use Flow Recruit. I was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm trying to get at, but I'm clearly beating around the bush. And he asked me, how much is it? And I was like, well, how much would you pay? And he said something like, I don't know, $1,000. And I was like, it's $1,000. <laughs> it was really, we were making it up as we went. And that's what you have to do in the beginning. It was, I look back on the person who said yes to that and think like, he changed my life. The fact that he was willing to trust Atreya and me with some of his recruiting events was like mind boggling. And it's exactly what we needed to keep going. What's the hardest thing about being a startup founder? Man. The hardest thing about being a startup founder, the first answer that comes to mind is that the hardest thing about being a startup founder is controlling your own psyche. To tell a story there, and the very beginning of like where I consider Flow Recruit really starting, we worked on Flow Recruit while we were in college, but I realized after we went full-time on the business that doing a business part-time and making it your full-time thing is a world of difference. It's not that you just get a few more hours in your day. You now have your entire mental space to think about how to get this off the ground. And so Trey and I, we went full-time on the business in basically June of 2019. I had graduated. I graduated with my Plan to Honors degree 
and I had one class left in my mechanical engineering degree, and Atreya left his PhD program, and we went out to Y Combinator, accelerator program in the Bay Area, all on the concept of in-person recruiting events being something that companies should track and pay attention to and could use as a pipeline for student candidates. So we started the business around in-person recruiting events, went through YC. By the end of December of 2019, we had raised a million bucks and completed our seed round. Like we were bought in on the future of in-person recruiting. In February of 2020, we convinced our two friends from UT Austin to join us. One software engineer, Pranav, who joined Atreya, and another person, Hannah, who joined us as our first sales hire, and it's still, both of them still work at Flow Recruit today. They joined us in February 2020, similarly, to build the future of in-person recruiting. And 30 days later, Trump addressed the nation and said, COVID's here, in-person is effectively canceled. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, we are selling in-person recruiting software. Suddenly not a single one of our customers, I think we had 10 or 15 at the time, need this product. And shortly after that, some of them started canceling their contracts as quickly as they could, because on top of recruiting and in-person, excuse me, on top of in-person being canceled, every company's budget was being frozen. Like recruiting was the first one. Don't hire anybody. <laughs> Like, just let's hold tight because this Hiring pandemic freeze. is scary. Yeah. Hiring freeze. Yeah. If not, doing layoffs. Yeah. So imagine, like, we're building in-person recruiting software. Like, you could not have been more screwed. It was a crazy place to be in. And controlling our psyche in that moment, Atreya and me, being willing to say, okay, what if this is an opportunity? And Hannah and Pranav being willing to say, you know what? I decided to join this company, decided to take a risk. Let's just see if we can make this, you know, what turn lemons into lemonade. Let's see if we can make this problem a really big opportunity. So I remember on March 13th, which was a Friday, when Trump addressed the nation and said that the pandemic was going to cause us to have to stop in-person interactions. I remember on that day, Atrey and I were texting back and forth, like almost immediately as we both saw that, realizing that this could be an opportunity for us to help the legal industry figure out what could virtual recruiting look like. They had done in-person recruiting for everything. They were so highly in-person that we knew that they would have to figure out how to do it virtually, especially when people are their product. At the end of the day, they're selling people's time. Like people are deeply important to law firms and thank God we controlled our psyche enough on that day and the weeks and months that followed that we kept on realizing that we had an opportunity and we didn't let the like, gravity of the situation affect us. Had we just thrown in the towel on that day, which would have been pretty easy and like, probably a good decision, but would have seemed like a good decision at the time because we were in recruiting and in-person events. Had we done that, we wouldn't be here today where we're a 30-person company, like, literally, like, changing the game of legal recruiting. And so you got dealt the COVID curveball. Yes. You were dealt the COVID curveball. You saw an opportunity in that. How did that idea work out? So on March 13th, 2020, 
we thought to ourselves, maybe this is a really big opportunity to help the legal industry, our best clients that we had. I think we had maybe five law firms at the time. Maybe this is our opportunity to show them how recruiting could work in the digital world. How could you do interviews over video chat when you were used to doing literally hundreds of interviews in person? To talk about the scale here, before 2021, law school on-campus interviews where law firms and other legal employers would show up on law school campuses to do interviews. Like NYU, one of our clients does, they host 9,000 interviews over the course of three days. They used to book out entire hotels in New York City to get this done because they didn't have enough space on their campus to host all of these employers that wanted to employ their students. UT Austin, UT Law would host their interview program in the football stadium. (laughs) This is a major operation and we figured being in this realm of recruiting events, understanding law student recruiting, beginning to understand even lateral hiring, which is just experienced attorney hiring, that man, all of this is in person, they were gonna have to figure out how to do it virtually. And we were the first crazy people who were calling our contacts in the legal industry and asking them like, what would happen if we had to do this not in person? And in March, in that month, the assistant dean of the UT Law School, David Montoya, took my call. And I'm sure he thought I was crazy because I was like, what if this this virtual thing has to happen? What if we have to figure out how to do recruiting virtually? And at the time, we just batted around ideas of what would really need to happen, what a system would have to do so that they didn't have to do it in the stadium anymore. And it wasn't until maybe six months later, while the Flow Recruit team, which was four people and maybe one or two people part-time, the Flow Recruit team was designing what the virtual recruiting solution could look like, figuring out which video chat we were going to integrate with, how were we going to support these thousands and thousands of interviews all happening at the same time. Like We spent all of 2020 figuring that out while the legal industry was mostly thinking, this too shall pass and we'll go back to in-person. And then at the very end of 2020, because we had seemingly talked to anyone who would listen in legal about what this process could look like virtually, we, it was like a domino effect. Like we were getting calls left and right of people saying, oh my God, I really do have to figure out how to do this virtually. And like, you've been thinking about it for the past six months. So let's figure out a way to work together. And it was like dominoes from this unknown company with, I think maybe at the very end of 2020, we were about seven people from an unknown company to like the de facto solution for all things student recruiting for the legal industry in two months. At the very end of 2020, we became that, boom. But only after, I love these boom moments, but <laughs> this overnight, this it felt like an overnight success that only took like the entire year Everything. <laughs> to build and convince and like literally all of our chips yeah. were in. It was painful, but I bet you would say they're actually now in a 10x better position than they were before the pandemic and crazy stuff like that happens with chaos. There's a tool that I developed. It's possible that I had a mentor that shared some version of this and that I'm stealing their idea. But about every two years, I would manufacture a crisis. And I would try and present a scenario that's not apocalypse, but it needed to be stressful enough to really test the executive team. 
And the team knew this was a mock exercise, but I tried to make it real enough, like very specific. We're putting numbers on the board. We're putting a list of people's names on the board that we're laying off, like, and it made it real enough that when the exercise was over, A, we were relieved that we didn't really have to do it, but B, there were always two or three or five discoveries. This surely happened to Catherine and the team, not through a mock crisis, but a real one. And if she were sitting here today, I might recommend that she develop her own mock crisis every two years or so to gain the valuable learnings that result. From the Catalyst Arts Movement to freshman founders, from college to corporate recruiting, Catherine's story is an exciting one. Having roughly raised $3 million, investors including Live Oak Venture Partners, Teamworthy Ventures, and us at Capital Factory, Flo has a bright future moving forward into 2023 and beyond. Flow Recruit, we started as an in-person recruiting software. Now we have become very known for virtual. Today our clients use us for both. So it's not that we believe that virtual is better than in-person or that in-person is better than virtual. We just think that companies should figure out which approach makes the most sense for them and the candidates that they're trying to recruit. In the legal industry, when we're talking about experienced hiring, It's often easier, especially for those early rounds of interviews, for your candidate to get on a video chat or a phone call than it is for them to try to go across town or put in a sick day to get on a plane and end up in your office. That is so much time wasted and money for all parties involved that video chat is like simply more efficient. And there is something to be said for in-person connections. That's absolutely true. We started the company believing that, and we still believe it today, but it doesn't have to happen in every single interview interaction. Like It can happen towards the end of a process if someone really wants to get a feel for the folks there. It can happen on their first day. Like Even today at Flow Recruit, pretty much everyone we've hired, we've interviewed virtually, yet we still spend time in the office. Mm-hmm. We understand that there's a duality there and that there's benefits to both, but I can't imagine doing all of the recruiting processes in person. And I don't think our clients can anymore either. There's just, there's way too much reach that you can get from a virtual approach that you can't get from in person. You're like inherently limited by geography and money spent on travel when you're only thinking about in person that goes away when you open it to virtual. Our law firms are often trying to figure out how they can attract talent that doesn't necessarily come from the same background or look exactly like the people that they have in the law firm today. And virtual has enabled them to get more creative and expand who they're able to attract and go after. It's just, it's simply easier for all parties involved and makes it so they don't have to restrict their outreach based on like where they can get to or where is convenient for their partners and attorneys. Flow Recruit has already become the modern legal hiring system for over 80 law firms now and 85 law schools. We work with 60% of the top 100 law schools and 40% of the biggest law firms in the United States. It's expanded way past student recruiting Our clients are using us to power all of their hiring. Their staff hiring, their partner hiring, their lateral hiring, their student hiring. 
And through this process, we've realized that all of these law schools, all of these law firms, they're working with so many candidates that use our software as like this ubiquitous platform that I get comments from my friends who are lawyers who are looking for their next job and they're like, holy cow, everybody uses Flow Recruit. And so where we're going next, this year is all about thinking about the candidate themselves. Like, how can we help that candidate navigate their job search? How can we make it less stressful? We already know that lawyers have very little time. They're tracking every single minute because that's how they bill out to their clients. So when you think about that, like, it is such a waste for that person to be filling out their same information over and over again on a clunky job application that doesn't even work on their phone, which unfortunately many of the law firms who are not our customers, they have that horrible experience. We think that we can help candidates start to navigate this job search. We can help them look through the sea of last names and last names and figure out which is the right firm for them based on what practice area they want, based on what office location they're looking for, based on the amount of hours that they're hoping to work. Like, we think that we can help kind of make a better match between our law firms who are looking for amazing talent and law schools who are trying to get their students hired. Can we help the student and the lateral candidate find their right place? Like, answer we believe is yes and we can do that more efficiently with technology. Thanks for listening to this episode of Austinpreneur. Don't forget to check out capitalfactory.com to learn more about us and join our community. If you have thoughts about the show or ideas on how we can work together, reach out to me directly via email, nickspiller at capitalfactory.com. Shout out to the Capital Factory Dream Team for making this podcast possible. And special thanks to Aaron Handworker, who masterfully recorded and edited the show. Come back next week for a whole new episode. Mm-hmm.